content of this advertising. That's not good news. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I'm not going back. Well, what am I not going back to? I'm not going back to the world, the sin, and the devil. I'm not going back. We're in this period of time that's called Lent. I want to read for you, not to criticize, but to illustrate clearly what I'm talking about. There is a teaching and a philosophy that I was raised with and that many of you were raised with. I'm not going back to it. But let me read for you a very well-written piece on Lent. This was just published in a church newsletter. Let me read it for you. A common result of Lent is a longing for home. Through our intentional reflection on our sinfulness, we know that we are in need of rescue. When we see how much our brokenness is also found in the brokenness of the world around us, we know that we were not made for this world as it currently is. We join with creation in groaning under the burden of sin and look forward to the new creation. The more you grow in Christ, the more this longing will grow as well. The more rooted you are in your life in Christ, the more unsatisfying the life lived in the values of this world will be. It's not a fun tension, but it is a holy tension. It is a gift and reminder from the Holy Spirit and wouldn't you believe that somebody just interfered with my telephone and is trying to call me as I'm trying to read this to you? I'm going to finish this little piece in just a moment. Okay, now we're clear. But it's a holy tension. It is a gift and reminder from the Holy Spirit that we were made for more it should drive us to deepen our life in Christ, the life that is true, satisfying, and eternal. Well, that all sounds so righteous, doesn't it? But wait a minute. Does the gospel teach that we should reflect upon our sinfulness after we've been saved? If we've been saved, what have we been saved from, if not from our sinfulness? It says we know we are in need of rescue. Haven't we been rescued? Wasn't that what Jesus Christ did at the cross? Didn't he pay the price at the cross to rescue us? So what is this pastor talking about? It says we're in the same brokenness that is found in the brokenness of the world around us, then what is our Christian witness if all we can witness to is that we have this relationship with Jesus, but we're still as broken as you are in the world? It says we join with creation in groaning under the burden of sin and look forward to the new creation. I thought the new had come. I thought the new was here now. 
It says the more you grow in Christ, the more this longing will grow in us. The more rooted you are in your life in Christ, the more unsatisfying life is lived according to the values of the world. I thought Christians were no longer living according to the values of the world. What is our testimony if we live according to the values of the world? We've been called out. I read these, these words that have a form of wisdom, but they're lying. They're not claiming the gospel of Jesus Christ as I know it. Are they? Well, let me read this to you. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, the sixth chapter. Well, let's go back to the fifth chapter. Verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. This man's Lenten message does not match the teaching of the New Testament church. Many of you are sitting in churches where there is the sound of Lent and there is the sound of religion, but it is not in accord with the Word of God. Listen. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. You know, I, I listen to these people who, who want to teach us that we're always going to be sinners. I listen as they teach us that we have to put up with the pain of walking in our sin. And I'm saying, really? Do we have to walk in the anguish? Of our sin? Is that really where we are today? Are we still walking in the anguish of the sin of the world? Is that our condition before a holy and righteous God? I don't want to live that way. I want to live free and clear. I'm not going back to the life of having to reflect on my sin. I'm not walking in that sin anymore. I've been given the victory in Jesus Christ. I've been set free. I'm not willing to go back to that way of death. I read this man's Lenten message, and it is a message that allows me to have an appearance of 
reflective seriousness about the gospel. But it totally rips out of the gospel the truth that I am set free. That I no longer walk in sin. I'm not going back to that. I'm not going to go back to the belief that I must constantly struggle with my sin. I daily die in Christ. I wake up, I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. I don't walk in the way of death. How about you? Are you still buying into the lie that the blood of Jesus Christ is not powerful enough to deliver you from your sin? Do you walk in victory or do you not? Have you been set free or have you not? I know there's a very well-known bumper sticker out there. It says the only difference between you and me is that I've been forgiven. What a lie. There's a huge difference between me and a pagan. A pagan walks in rebellion against God. He walks with the poison of the viper upon his lips. He has not been washed and made clean by the blood of Jesus. He still walks in the values of the world. I don't walk in the values of the world anymore. I don't walk in the values of lust for money. I don't walk in the values of lust for the flesh. I don't walk in the lust and the pride of life. I've been set free. I've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I have the victory over darkness. Do you? Do you have victory over that darkness? If you don't, you have not understood the gospel of Jesus. You have believed a lie that you must continue to walk and agonize and struggle. Today is the day of salvation. Enter now into the rest of Jesus. Be delivered now by his precious blood. And that brings us once more to the story and to the challenge of the Elijah Company. The Elijah Company is a group of people who no longer compromise with darkness. They no longer walk in their sin. They walk in freedom and joy, in the fullness of life in Jesus Christ. They ask the Lord for judgment upon America, judgment unto repentance. How can you pray that if you have not repented, if you have not been found righteous in Jesus Christ, if you are like the world, still struggling under the bondage of sin? How can you pray the prayer that God will bring revival to America? You can't. Because you have no testimony that you have been set free. You've gone back and back and back to the ways of the world and the flesh and the devil. You have no victory. You're powerless. All you can do is talk about a sentimental Jesus.
And third, in review, the Elijah company is always hidden away. The message they bring is not the popular message of the day. It's not a message that allows you to continue walking in darkness and claim that you have Jesus Christ. It's not a message that claims you can be in Christ and in the world. You can't be in two places at the same time. You're either in Denver, Colorado, or you're in Washington, D.C. You can't be in both places at the same time. You can't be in Christ and in sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, by his grace, calls us out of sin and into a life of joy and peace. Now, in this life, as a member of the Elijah Company, provision comes for you out of the hand of God and not out of your own hand. It comes by way of the Spirit. Deliverance from your sin comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. It does not come from your trying hard. It does not come by your own struggle. It is not legalism. It is the free gift of Jesus Christ as he administers his blood to your life and as the Holy Spirit washes you with the water he breaks the bondage of every sin in your heart and he sets you free. It is provision from the hand of God. And number four, those who are in the Elijah company will recognize what I just read to you from the Lenten message of a very kind pastor a very well-meaning pastor, a very well-educated pastor. But you will recognize that the rain has stopped in the American church because of such teachings. The teaching that you continue to walk in your sin and you're saved. Painting the picture that life is always a struggle and we must take the Lenten time to reflect upon our sin and know that we live according to the values of the world, stop it. No, we do not. If you live according to the values of this world, you are not a Christian. If you still live under the, the struggle of sin, you have not been saved. And you need to hear the gospel. We need a Mount Carmel where American Christians can finally come to Mount Carmel and make a decision about who they're going to serve once and for all. But now we come in the story to a portion that is so encouraging to my heart I awakened early this morning and I began to cry out to God over this portion of Scripture. I'm going to continue all day crying out over this portion. I ask you, please join me in crying out with me over this portion. Elijah is sent by the mighty hand of God 
the voice of God to Zarephath of Sidon, the home country of Jezebel. And there he sends his servant to a precious woman. He calls to her, and he asks, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? Water is very precious because there is a a drought and a famine in the land. As she turns and begins to go to get the water for this man, he calls after her and please bring me a piece of bread. And she responds as surely as the Lord your God lives. I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. And now the question is, can God give us the provision from his hand? Is God willing to provide us with what is necessary for our life when we are utterly given over to him? And the word of God comes through Elijah and says, Don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you've said. But first make a small cake of bread for me that what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until day the Lord brings rain on the land. So the Lord is saying, look, I am going to sustain you until the rain comes upon the land. Else you would die. This is the first great sign of God in the life of every Christian. He promises that he will bring us a provision He will bring us food to eat. He promises that that provision will come from his hand and it will sustain us until the rain comes. The provision that God has brought to us as Christians is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He has brought to us the bread of life. Remember, Jesus said, My body broken for you. My body is real food, and my blood is real drink. In other words, now as we wait for revival to come, as we are hidden away, as we are crying out to God, He is saying, I will give you my body to eat. I will give you my blood to drink. I will give to you what is necessary to bring full and complete salvation to your heart. I will bring to you what is necessary to break the bondage of sin, to set you free. I will bring what is necessary to you that you can walk in righteousness before me no longer walking no longer walking in the values of this world no longer walking with the burden of sin upon your heart you don't need lent to reflect on your sin 
Your sin can be utterly removed as you eat the broken body of Christ and you drink this precious blood. You are washed and made whole. The, the rain has not come. Revival has not come. The time of refreshing has not come. But I will send to you the first provision necessary that you in this famine can survive. This is what Jesus has done for me. I live in a time when the flowing presence of the Holy Spirit has been removed from America. I live in a time when my heart is so grieved and I weep over our nation. I weep over the church. I weep over precious pastors like this who, who write about Lent the lies of Satan, saying, oh, you must continue reflecting while you live according to the values of the world. I, I write to you while you continue. You must reflect upon your own sin. And I say, no, no, no. For even in this time when the rain has not come, the provision of Christ is here to break the burden of sin from our hearts and to bring joy to our spirits that we can walk clean before God, hidden away, not a part of the world. I weep over the church because they have denied the blood of Jesus its powerful cleansing presence and instead to build their churches when the rain is not here they have turned to the hip-hop music they've turned to their to their entertainment they've turned to their hail fellow well met they've turned to their coffee and their donuts They've turned to their programs and their outreaches. They've turned to everything in the church growth movement to build up the church. But they've built up the church with half-converted people. They've built up the church with men and women who walk in utter bondage. And even the pastors are walking in utter bondage, denying the power of the blood of Jesus, denying the miraculous power to wash and cleanse and set us free. So even in this time when the rain has stopped because of the wickedness of our nation and the wickedness of our church, even in this time when the rain has stopped, they're denying the power of the blood of Jesus to set a sinner free, to transform a life. Now most of these precious men and women would would not deny that a man can come to the church as a drunkard, as an alcoholic, and not have his alcoholism broken and set him free. Some would not think that, but some believe that. Some believe that you can still come to the church and a, and a drug addict and addiction can be broken and set free, that a man can stop his fornication, a man can can have the grosser sins broken from his heart, but they don't believe that a man can be totally set free from sin. What I'm trying to say to you today is that the Elijah Company lives in a time when provision will come from the hand of God. 
provision of the blood and the and the bread, the broken body. Now some of these people will faithfully every Sunday partake of the communion as though that were everything. It's not. It's simply the sign pointing to Jesus Christ and the power of the blood of Jesus cleanses and washes. So we idolatrize the communion. We turn it into an idolatry instead of letting it be the signpost that points us to our Savior who washes and cleanses and sets free. My brother, my sister, I'm so, I'm so broken of heart. the starvation of the church, the starvation of the pastors who will not eat the broken body and the spilled blood that would totally set them free from their sin. This was the first great sign, but there is a, there is a second great sign that we must move quickly to. The jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. Day after day they were sustained by the provision of God. Day by day I'm sustained by the provision of the spilled blood of Jesus and the broken body of Jesus. This is chapter 17 of 1 Kings, verse 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Did you come to remind me of my sin and to kill my son? How do we begin to understand this? That even though we have been washed in the blood of Jesus and we are sustained by the broken body, there are times when it seems like death will still come upon us. I was before the Lord this morning saying, Lord, death came into my household and took my wife six years ago. And very quietly the Holy Spirit reminded me, was she not mine to take? Yes, Lord, she was yours to take. 
So death did not enter your home, did it? No, Lord, death did not enter. Am I enough for you, Ray? Yes, Lord. She is with me now. Yes, Lord. Have I not brought full life to you? Yes, Lord. We have to finally, in the second great sign, come face to face with the reality of death. Do we, in fact, have release in Jesus Christ from our sin, from the ways of the world? Do we, in fact, have freedom in Jesus Christ, or do we still need to fear death? Does death come now? to remind us of our sin and to tell us, you thought you were washed and made clean, but in fact you are not washed and you are not made clean, and death still has a right to come and grab you and carry you away. I want to tell you today, I'm not going back. I'm going to stand by faith that death no longer rules in my life. That yes, things can change. We are totally given over to Jesus Christ. And when my wife passed into death, she passed into life eternal. The second death will have no hold on her. And now the Lord brings to me new life, new relationships, new friendships, new possibilities. What do you have against me, O oh God? Did you come to remind me of my sinful past and to kill me? And Elijah says to her, Give me your son. Now I want you to understand. I want you to understand the gospel. The devil will come and he will say, You're still a sinner. You're still wicked before God. You were not forgiven and you were not changed. And, and look, look at the thoughts that just entered your mind. You're not set free. And God says, give me your son. Give me all that you possess. There comes a time in our journey with Jesus when we, go, when we go back to get a fresh touch of God. We're wrung out. We're at the end of every possibility. We can't do it. We're crashing. We're exhausted. 
We've come to another end of ourself and our own relationship and our own experience with Jesus. Now we either are going to turn away in bitterness and we're going to go back to the old ways of accusation against God. We're going to go back to not trusting him, not believing in him. We're going to go back and and not believe that we have been washed and made free of sin. We're going to go back into those old ways, or we're going to stand, we're going to bring our son to God. He took him from his arms, from her arms, and he carried him to the upper room. Oh, my brother, my sister, it's always to the upper room that we must be carried by Jesus to that place of fellowship with Jesus, that place where he prepares a meal for us, a place where he feeds us his broken body and his spilled blood. It says, Then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die. Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. And Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother, and he said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. After the second great sign, when death is confronted and it is an end to death. This morning the Lord said to me, Pray for an end of death in my people. And I began to cry aloud for very specific people the Lord laid on my heart. And I asked that the, that the death they are facing could come to an end. See, it was death in the provision, but the provision was made. The blood and the body of Jesus Christ have been given to us as our provision. But then we're brought to a place where it looks like we're facing utter death in our business, in our, in our family relationship with our children. It looks like we're facing death in our sickness. We've got to have Jesus pick us up and carry us into that upper room where he feeds us and where he speaks over us and where he, he says it, it's now an end of death. An end of death. Where we finally confess, now I know that every word out of the mouth of Jesus is true. Today you may be facing death. You may be facing death in your finances. You may be facing death in your inner life. You've cried out against the sin. You've tried to partake of the body of Christ. You've tried to take care of and eat the bread. You've tried the wine. You find no deliverance. You're crying out and saying, Lord, I'm dying. 
has to come an end to the death in your life. It's not until we have finally come to terms with death that we can have life in Christ. And it's a supernatural work of God. Now I know that you are a man of God, that the word of the Lord from your mouth is truth. I want to tell you now I know that Jesus is the Christ. And I know that every word out of his mouth is truth. And I'm not going to go back to my unbelief that I am saved and made perfect in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to allow sin to rule in my life. I'm not going to allow myself to reflect on my sin because I've been washed by the blood of Jesus. I've been rescued from death. I've been restored to life. And now in every circumstance of my life, I say, oh God, end the death. Bring forth the life. Bring forth the life. Some of you today may know that you are facing death and you need me to pray for you. Please call right now. I'll pray with you. A prayer of faith. Whatever it is that you're facing that is death. 877-534-0780. Call quickly. 877-534-0780. And I will pray with you. And we will pray life together. Not death. Not death. Now, very quickly, I want to talk with you in the last few minutes while we're waiting for any calls to come. You know, this is the last week of the month, and we're praying through and standing by faith that Jesus will provide the resources to cover the cost of radio for this month. We are still $600 short. And then we have it covered. I'm asking, please, if you would, just call this number, 877-534-0780, and tell Brother Kevin how much you will pledge to cover this month's radio. If these messages on Elijah this weekend the messages long before this. We are soon coming to our fourth year on this round of broadcast time. Every month the Lord has covered the cost of radio. I praise him for that. I worship him for that. It's been in his mercy. I've had no ability to pay it. It's been Jesus month after month after month. Everything you give will go to cover the cost of this radio broadcast. So write to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I want to thank those yesterday who, who gave $300. Thank you. Thank you. We're still 600 short. 
I'd like to get this wrapped up and not have to take a full day from teaching as an offertory. The National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now I want to come back. I want to read for you another passage of Scripture. passage that just encourages my heart. Romans, the eighth chapter. Therefore, and of course that therefore refers to what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. And the answer resounding comes, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right now, deliverance in Jesus. Not sometime in the future, now. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. This Lent message I read still has you under the law of sin and death. I want to tell you, when you come to Jesus Christ, he deals with death. He first provides the provision, and then he comes and deals with whatever comes in our heart that would cause us to go back and walk in that discouragement. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might fully be met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. You see, it does not say those who live according to the sinful nature but who claim Jesus. That we've been set free. We have not received a spirit of fear. We've we've received a bold spirit in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, past tense, when you followed the ways of the world, when you walked in the values of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. So we were dead in transgressions and sins. But Jesus in his mercy came and made us alive with Christ. In verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realm in Christ Jesus. See, 
see, this is such good news to me. This is such good news to me. Now listen. This is still the book of Ephesians. The fifth chapter, verse 3. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because they're improper for God's holy people. In other words, you don't walk in these things anymore. You're set free. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Do you understand? You cannot continue to walk in disobedience and walk into the inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and of God. That's what I'm saying to you today. You have you have an inheritance in Jesus Christ. You have a, a provision given to you in the blood and the broken body. You have, you have the wonder of Jesus dealing with death, carrying you to the upper room, healing you, restoring you. It says, do not be partners with them. Do not be partners. Don't identify with them. Most Lenten messages. Listen carefully at your church. Read your newsletters. Look at what's being said. It will say, I confess I am a sinner. If you are a sinner, you are not in Christ Jesus. You are not saved. And if you are confessing that you are like the world, you are not saved. Don't just say empty words. It says here, do not be partners with them. Do not identify yourself as a sinner. Identify yourself as a saint as one who has been set free in Jesus Christ, as one who was once in the darkness, but you're now in the light of the Lord, now live as a child of light, and the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but expose them. That's what I'm doing today. For it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. He says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Are you still a sinner, saved by grace? It's an oxymoron. It can't be true. It's a lie. If you're a sinner, you're not saved by grace. If you're saved by grace, you're not a sinner. You can't be a sinner saved by grace. You're either a sinner 
or you're saved. Do you understand? Now let's pray. Almighty God, by your grace and your grace alone, I am not a sinner saved by grace. I have been made righteous in reality because of your grace, your saving grace, not by my own works, but by your spirit, by your blood, by the power of the Holy Spirit washing and cleansing and setting me free. Lord, I rebuke the darkness today. I rebuke the the lying, hellish belief that I can walk in my sin and still consider myself saved. Lord, set your people free. Break the bondage and the lies. Save your people, O Lord. Save your people, O Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I pray today has been helpful to you. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of His glory with great joy.